Aren't you thankful to be together? We've been talking about the body. We've been talking about being the church. Church is not a place. Believe it or not, um, opposite of what we've been raised and opposite of what we've been taught, church is not a building. We call the building church, and that's okay that we call that building the church as well. But that's the second That's the lower definition of the church. That's not really what the church is. The church is you and I. It's the body, isn't it? It is us together. It is a unification of the cells, of the individuals. Just as a body is not just a hand and is not just an eye, right? We read those scriptures last week. It is not just parts, but many uh, individual parts together as one body and with Christ as the head. Christ is the head dictating, just as my head is dictating what my hand is doing and what my foot is doing simultaneously. And neither are communicating with each other, but are in unity, they're communicating with the Father, and in unity with each other, neither is opposing each other. God has put us together, He's put these cells, and we are not NNC, this building is not the body of Christ. We are a cell. We are cells of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is worldwide. It is the all that call themselves Christians, true Christians, truly look at Christ as the head. To all in the world who look at Him as the head are part of one body. There is one body. The scriptures tell us clearly that there's one body. And yet we call ourselves bodies of believers. Isn't that ironic? And I think it's a subtle thing that the enemy has done to divide us. Divide and conquer. Right? That we know that. That's just human. It's not even God. The world knows that. The world knows you divide, you can conquer. That's how you do it. Get them divided. So God has been bringing us together and unifying us. And we need to be unified in so many facets. I don't have time to talk about them all today. And we've been talking about some of those facets over the last couple of weeks. I want to move forward into something fresh for today, just before Christmas. I want to move into something else that the Lord's been speaking to me about, but it is completely and 100% connected to being unified. We are, as I've been speaking about, looking at each other first and yourself last. And as we do that, as you prefer one another, as you prefer each other, and not just in this building, but if we are the body of Christ worldwide then you're not just thinking about this place, but also our brothers and sisters, our fellow cells of one body who are in China right now in an underground church. Or her, who, are, who, who, okay, try that one more time. <laughs> or who are, that's a tongue twister, in a Muslim nation right now being beheaded for Christ. We are one body with them. And as, as I've been saying this as over the weeks, and I need to say it again, your body, even though my foot doesn't tell my hand what to do, my foot suffers the consequences of my hand being hurt. 
not necessarily directly the foot's like, I'm fine, I'm still a foot. But the body, if my hand is hurt and I can't go to work, I can't do what I do with my hands, my foot is getting a lot less traction, a lot less action, it's doing less. I need to maybe even put more strain. I need to maybe just the opposite, do more with my feet because I can't use one of my hands. Whatever, you can use your imagination. And because we are a body of believers worldwide, God is shining a light in our hearts, reminding us of this first, so that then we look to the second point that I want to move forward from being unified, being the body, which is if we are thinking about others, and not just here, but others worldwide first, and ourselves last, then even when things are great, even when things are perfect in what we would have called the body in this building, we should constantly be looking, thinking, always, what are the other bodies that we call bodies, right? What are the other cells? What are the other parts of his church and his body going through right now? What is the issue in this nation? What are the issues in the nations of the world? We are never at rest. Cells in our bodies even when we sleep, are not at rest. There's something going on. There's something doing. There's digestion happening, etc. When one part is maybe taking somewhat of a rest, another part of your body is doing something. You are, the body is always uh, working for the greater cause of the whole. And if it was just looking for itself, um, eventually the body says, uh, you are selfish and you're actually destroying me and that we would call that a cancer and the body has to get rid of it or it'll kill the body. I don't want to get too deep in that, I've been, but I just wanted to review on some things. I've been saying these things. The Lord's really speaking to us right now that we need to be so aware of each other. We get so involved in our own little world. It's so easy. And I'm, I said we because I'm in it. I get it. I'm just as guilty, but we get so involved in our own little worlds that we forget. I mean, there's not that many people in this room, but we forget about this room, but then we forget about equal cells of, my, of the equal brothers and sisters calling Christ their Lord in other nations that don't have my freedom and my comforts who are suffering today. And then if the body is the body, then it's our job to supplement in their weakness. I wonder, and God has blessed the American nation for many years, I wonder because the United States gave, 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 and is really one of the greatest centers of sending out missionaries of the entire world. And I wonder if God has blessed us so much, not just because we called him God and put him, we're removing him from those places, but not just because we put him on monuments and called him God here, but because we were constantly thinking of those that were in need. Got us into some trouble as well. But we are constantly thinking of those in need, and I believe that's what God is speaking to us right now. And if you look in the book of Acts, and you look at the very first, the very first body the very first beginning of the body started with just a few cells and God started growing the body. Do you know the body is still growing? The church is dying. 
The church actually statistically by numbers is actually decreasing, decreasing in numbers. But God's kingdom is not. Does that make sense? God's kingdom is not. Statistically, as darkness grows, the church is actually becoming less, but the, the seriousness, the call, the weight of God is starting to become real. God's starting to separate across the world those who really want Jesus Christ and really call him not just their Savior, but their Lord. God's going to keep doing that. And he's not... He's not necessarily doing it to you. He's just making the things in your life, the things around your life are making it clear. And, and in book, the book of Acts, we find that they had to make a choice to continue to follow Christ because their life depended upon it. When they made the choice to follow Christ, it was a serious choice because it may have cost their life and it did many of them. But it says in the book of Acts chapter 1, and I just want to look here in chapter 1. It says, verse 14, they all met together. I want you to say that word out loud. Together. We must be a body of believers worldwide. We ourselves, individuals. I spoke about our gifts, relying upon each other's gifts last week, that they are so intertwined and you are not anything on your own, but together. And I want to transition now. That was important. Maybe that was a little repetitive, but it's been like weeks, so I really feel like I needed to say all those things. If you've been, if you were listening, it might seem a little repetitive, but for those that either weren't here or have heard those things, you remembered me, well, now you know them even, <laughs> even more. Sorry. I needed to say those things. Because they met together and were, let's read this out loud, constantly. I want you to say that word again. They were constantly united in, in prayer. The very first body of believers, this is Acts chapter 1. We're only in verse 14. Okay, Jesus paid the price for you. He covered you with his blood. He set you free. He gave you life. He gave you eternity. And then he put his gospel, his kingdom, his word inside your heart and said, now go and tell this world. Preach the same message that I preached to you to this world. And here they are. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. It's begun. And what does it say? They were constantly united, which is key, but there's a second part. And I don't believe that these parts can be separated. If you are truly united, you are in prayer. And if you are in prayer, you are united, period, as God's believers, as God's body. If you are in a place where Sometimes we are in a very, very low valley, and it might seem like a selfish place where your prayers can only be for yourself right now. Then you got to be there, and the rest of the body will get alongside you and be praying for you. But that is not our walk. We will find ourselves in valleys, and you can't stop it sometimes. Sometimes you can, 
But if you find yourself in a valley, the body of believers have been put around you on purpose to bring you back up. But our walk is not a valley place. If you find that your prayers on a daily basis are for yourself and for your things, then we need to go back to Acts chapter 1. We need to be reminded by This is the first group of people that God anointed and said, go. We are in multiplication right now of their model. You want a church model? You don't need a group to come in and look at your culture. You don't need them to look at your town. You don't need to look at your age groups and plan on how do we reach this community. It tells us right here in Acts chapter 1 how they they reached their community. How they did what God told them to do. And it was to be united in prayer. God's calling us to be united in prayer today. In this time, we need to be a prayer people always. Doesn't mean you're not praying on your own too. And we talked about that some weeks ago. What did we say that Jesus did? Jesus was, I believe, was walking with the Holy Spirit every moment, not just when he withdrew, but even Jesus felt it was necessary to withdraw from the crowd, get into some personal and some private time, had some special time, just him and God, got the will of God in his heart. So then when he comes down and he prays for this person, he already knows God's will for them because he got it while he was spending time in God's heart. So once he came to be part of the body, as he's calling us to do on a weekly basis, daily basis, whatever that time is, and I believe it should be more often, We've already been praying. This is not, that's not your only time. There's a prayer. There's your personal life with God. But together, I believe it's probably the weakest part of God's church. It is the weakest part of God's church. The church doesn't pray enough together. We do pray on our own. Although, I believe the Lord very strongly spoke to me that we are weak there as well. Who is like me? And you're on your way to work and you say, I need to pray. And so you start praying. And whatever that time is, sometime, maybe you're diligent. You're so excited. You got to work and you're still praying. But if you're like everybody else here, you got to work and go, oh, yeah, about 35 minutes ago, I prayed for five minutes. Then your mind got off on a tangent and never left. Well, why are you laughing? <laughs> God's calling us to pray because, I mean, we're in good times, but what the Lord's really starting to just shine, just, and hopefully I've been expressing this, and so hopefully it didn't sound like rambling in the beginning, but the Lord's been showing me that his body is suffering. His body is in prison. His body is not well. But if we look at the body as a building or a region, we could be deceived and think the body is fine. Although I believe that there are captives in this room, either secretly or we know. There are those even in here that are in prison in your minds, in your bodies, in your spirit. And if we are too inward, just looking at ourselves and our lives too much, even in your own family, your own children, you, if you are thinking of your day and your personal trials so much, and that's what I say so often, church, 
I say so often is that the cross is necessary, but Jesus got off the cross. If your entire Christianity is at the cross, then you are going to miss the rest of the reason you're still alive, which is to let the cross do its job in you, get rid of the junk in you, shape you, mold you, and revitalize you and get you moving with the mission of Christ, the same mission that he had to the cross now is yours onward, right? We need to be so aware of each other. We need to be so aware of those in need worldwide. God knows what he's doing. He puts you in this region, in this town, in this building for a reason. We don't need to run unless God's calling you. You don't have to go to China, but you know, the, this is the amazing thing about the spirit world. I can pray right now for the Chinese church, Lord. We pray right now in Jesus' name. We speak into those underground churches, Lord, wherever they are right now. Lord, we speak life into those churches and we speak the protection of God over them right now in Jesus' name. That wasn't fabricated. I want, if I said I was going to pray, I want to do that for real. But that was real. And you know what? Right now in the spirit world, there are, is no timeline. Doesn't matter where it is or what time it is. If you can't go there, you can pray. Lord, it's the most powerful tool that we have and the least used. I was talking to someone and our giftings are amazing. God has given us incredible gifts, gives us lots of gifts. Even, there's even people who pray. That's their actual gift. That's even beyond. That's no excuse for the rest of us to be praying all the time. But our gifts are great. Lord's given them to us to, to help each other and help the body. But our prayer, our prayers are the most, they're the single most powerful gift God's given you. It is the thing that everybody, no matter who you are, no matter what your gift is, that when Christ has become part of your life, that you now have a right with his name in his will to start praying, declaring, speaking, believing. It goes on in Acts chapter 2. We find this theme. Acts 2 verse 42 all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals. We love that. I think we do a really good job of those things in this church, don't you? I think we have good teaching, great teaching on Tuesday nights. We're going to keep doing that. We are a place. We do believe we are teaching the word here. We do believe that we have great fellowship here. And we believe that we have great times sharing meals. We do that every Sunday together. But it also says, and to prayer. <laughs> I love you. And Jesus loves you even more than I could ever. But I do believe the Lord's pricking our hearts right now. And I'm just one little part of this group, but I have to be faithful to do what he tells me to do. And I have to tell you from him that where this comma and to prayer has is, is been lacking. I wouldn't be a good pastor, didn't ask for that job necessarily, <laughs> but I'm here and I'm going to do it. And I wouldn't be a good one if I didn't say it and was willing to say what the Lord's telling us. And again, that's a we in there. I'm just as guilty, but it is going to be. Just because China might be in the underground church and we're free doesn't mean that that won't swap one day as well. 
If we don't get it now, if we don't start praying now, that could happen in a moment with what's in the news. Could be in the instantaneously, we could be the underground church. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we need to pray now. And the Lord says, okay, that's fine. We're going we're gonna to work with this. I've, I've got enough strength. But if you had been praying all along, <laughs> this moment would be easier. And let's just say we never, ever face that. And we get to heaven and we say, Lord, I did this, this, and that. And we did this and we had this freedom. And I thank you, Lord, you blessed me with this and so on. And the Lord says, yeah, but I gave you so much. I gave you freedom freedom of speech, gave you resources, gave you all these things, and yet your brothers and sisters over here suffering still suffered while you lived in your freedom. And I don't want to get to heaven and hear that. I don't want to hear that. I believe the Lord's just been shattering. He's been shattering like a hammer these last couple of weeks that the body, the body is the whole world. It is every Christian in the whole world. We need to be aware, don't we? More aware of each other in this room and more aware of his believers worldwide. And they said in Acts chapter 4, uh, Peter and John had been arrested and then they were freed. In verse 24, as soon as they came back in to the body of believers, verse 24, it says, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer. And it says in verse 32 that all the believers were united in heart and mind. The believers were one and they were constantly united in prayer. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is being pushed to the brink. He's about to be crucified and he goes off by himself to pray, although he asked the believers to pray with him. <laughs> Do you know that God asked the believers? This is amazing. God could have done anything he wanted with creation. He could have made us any way he wanted. He chooses to use us and to work through us. And you know, when Jesus was at his low, he asked his fellow disciples that he had chosen and raised up and called. He asked them to pray with him. Isn't this an incredible moment? Yes, Lord. Who would have been storming? Yeah, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You're not going to that cross. <laughs> Who knows what we'd be praying? We wouldn't know. We'd just be praying. Lord, your will. I don't know what to pray, but I, Jesus asked us to pray, and I want to pray with him. But it says... Then he returned and found, the, found them asleep. Come on, this is a prophetic word. It's what we don't want Jesus to return and find us. He warns us, doesn't he? He said, it will be just like this when I return again to find us asleep. I love, though, he's kind to us here because he says, and we can take this and be, and be reminded and say, okay, he says, he says a little bit sharp. He said to Peter, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? And that's his word to us now. He said, keep watch and pray. It says, keep watch and pray in verse 41 so that you will not give in to temptation. 
tells us to avoid temptation, keep watch and pray. But I love that he, he just gives us a little bit of comfort here, though. It's kind of like it's sharp, but also comfort. Because we have over in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit of God <laughs> with us. But it says, the Spirit is willing. Your Spirit in you wants to pray. Who feels constantly 24-7, I need to pray. I need to pray. I should be praying. Who doesn't listen and watches TV instead? But you feel it inside you. Except when you're in trouble. That's right. Well, that's it. You know, and sometimes that's funny. That's a good interjection. Sometimes the Lord allows the trouble just to get you to seek him. He's so jealous. He's like, I don't know how to, I got to take away his allowance so that he'll come to me. Your kids only come to you when they need, your, need their money. He'll take away his allowance. Now he'll come spend time with me. That's not what he wants to do. That's not the best. Just wants you to know him, but that's true. And he allows it because then it makes us lean upon him, which we should have been doing all along. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. It's kind of like he's, God's aware of our weakness, but he's also not letting you off the hook. He still spoke to Peter very sharply, and he's speaking to us the same way. Can't you even watch with me one hour? And I believe that's the Lord's word for us now. It's an hour that we need to be praying. I don't even know what's coming. We might have 80 years of peace in this nation. I just know in me, and are you with me, believers, that we need to pray. I just feel it in me. I felt we needed to pray for this nation a year ago. Who felt that a year ago? Whatever your political beliefs are, that doesn't really matter. Whoever's in here or listening, I knew we needed to pray. And I believe we did pray. And whatever your beliefs are, I believe God's still God, isn't he? And I believe that God's doing something in this nation. And he's been exposing some things through lots of prayer. There's also a lot of turmoil, a lot of pressure right now. And we shouldn't be deceived that just because the election's over, that the prayers are done. I think the prayer for this nation, for that matter, as a, as a side note, is probably more important today than it was then. There's an attack, there's a front set up, and remember, we don't war against flesh and blood. It's not a president, and it's not people, and it's not opposing forces uh, 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 from political party to a political party. There is a spiritual world behind the scenes that hates God, and hates the furtherance of the gospel, and hates holiness, and hates peace. And it will do, through that kingdom, anything it can in any way. And if that's going to be political, don't you think, don't you, uh, rather, don't you think that it's going to be involved in that? It's going to be involved in every other part. It's just as equally fighting hard against the people that ha don't care about politics, getting them another way. But it's in that, and we need to pray. We need to be praying for this nation. We need to be praying, like Jesus said, couldn't you watch with me even one hour? And just know that when your body is weak, I, like I said, this is like a twofold thing. He's, he understands, and because then he says, okay, well, it's too late now. I'm paraphrasing. Jesus says, too late now. My accuser's here. It's time to go. It's too late. The praying, the time to pray was, is done. I'm, that's it. I'm being handed over. You're about to see it. And we read this as comfort, though, because when your body is weak, 
who's weak in your body when you feel that you need to pray? I am every single time. And who has seen God come through when you decided to pray anyway? We need to listen to this verse on the other side. He understands our weakness, but also, remember the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, helps us in our weaknesses. Helps us in our weaknesses. That was a sermon a couple months ago. He helps us, and I'm telling you, that's the very moment you need to pray anyway. You need to tell your flesh to shut up and pray. God doesn't need special words in that prayer. He doesn't need eloquence. He doesn't need a lot. He just needs you to do it. He'll develop even that, just like any gift that you've been given can be developed to be even more powerful. But just do it. Until you know how to pray, just pray. Lord, I don't know what to pray, but I know that you love this nation, and I know you have a plan and purpose for it, and I just pray that the people in this nation would start to see you more. There you go. That's a simple prayer that God hears. And I want to transition the next few minutes. I believe that right now, the Lord, I believe there's things that I don't know why we need to pray. We just need to pray. But I also have a very specific, I believe the church, his church, is somehow in this time also, it's captive. There are so many that come into buildings we call churches that don't know Jesus. There are so many, and the world is looking. They are seeking because they're going. There's something in them that does want to seek. And even those that are so opposed to everything God, there's such an obsession of the supernatural. There's an obsession in them to so want something greater than them, looking into the stars for something more. The world is looking, but they're captive. They've been captive by the deception that is in the world and has crept even into the church. And I believe because we are not prideful, we are not better than them, but we have seen, we see the truth. And because of that, that gives us a great responsibility it should never elevate us. I spoke some weeks ago. It should lower us. Our strength is there to help their weakness. That's how the body works. When we start to see that this thing's a body, and not just bodies of believers, but a body, that I see a great weakness in this nation that's creeping in. Do you see it, church? Do you see the weaknesses that are creeping in that people are going to churches, they have an idea of church, they say the word God, but there is zero change in their lives. And God lets us see that not to elevate us, I'm not going to get on YouTube and bash them. And I'm not bashing them now, but we see it so that it breaks us like it did Christ with compassion and causes us to pray. I believe that's what God is telling us as his church now. It says in Isaiah 61 that the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. This message, this was a prophecy for Jesus. Well, where's Jesus now? Anybody know? He's right here. That's right. He's in you, moving through you. That means that his prophecy is now your prophecy. God has called you. He has sent you here into this world to release the captives, to free the prisoners. Ephesians chapter 6, 18 says to stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. It says in Luke 21, verse 33, again, as I was mentioning that Jesus tells us the end times, the end days will be like that moment when he comes back to Peter and says, couldn't you wait and watch and pray with me? He says in Luke 21, verse 33, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries, though. See, we look at that and we go, oh, okay, that's not me. And by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. And then he tells us to keep alert at all times. The New King James here says to pray always. Pray always that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. There is a captivity that is in the church and in the world and tells us as strong believers, he's speaking to us that aren't necessarily bound, caught. We have an understanding, but he warns us. He warns those that are aware to be alert, to be alert because if you don't, if he tells us that you might be strong enough, it says to pray, to be ready, to be alert because that means when he's telling us that this is in conjunction with this, that if we don't, that those things might come and surprise us. There's such a sharpness from God right now that it, it's a twofold. One, that we should be praying, but simultaneously that it's for your own good. That's what I wanted to point out. Does that make sense? It's for your own good. If we are not praying for one another and being sharp and looking and saying, where is it? What do you have me to pray for today? Who is in need today? What it will do in you, even though you say you love Christ and you love God, what it does in us is it dulls us. Go back to the last verse there. It says it dulls us. It says, it says it's like a trap and it dulls your hearts. If we are not in a spirit of prayer and looking outward, there's a dulling that comes, a trapping that comes. Ends up trapping yourself. And we need to be diligent. We need to be alert because God's called us to, and that should be it 
alone, that should be it. But simultaneously, because God's amazing and everything in God is always multifold, isn't it? It's for your own good. Because if we're not, you're actually not part of his body. And that's crazy to say such a bold statement, but the body is the body. There is no outsider. There is no alone. There's no single cell. Single cell organism. Well, then that's that. That's, then you're your own thing. His body's his body. Not being too sharp. Is this good? Okay, that was quiet. <laughs> but let's look here in, in Acts chapter 12. Just want to bring this home with some real life here. We have in Acts chapter 12, it says, About that time, King Herod Agrippa, verse 1, he began to persecute some believers in the church. You hear that? Remember King Agrippa, he was a man, but he is not. We don't war against flesh and blood. King Agrippa he is a, is a heathen king. He doesn't worship God, doesn't honor God. We're going to have those people in this earth until Jesus comes back. Those people, though, are just listening to their father. Jesus said to the religious, hey, if he said it to them, then we know King Agrippa, king Agrippa was. He said to the religious of the day who weren't truly honoring God but looked like they were, he said, your father's the devil. And if Jesus said that to the supposed religious, to the supposed church of that day, then we know who King Agrippa's father is and who he's serving. So we shouldn't be surprised that he would feel compelled to persecute the church. Because Satan hates the church just because he hates God. So James was furthering God's message, verse 2, and he killed him with a sword. But I also want you to look at here, before I move on, I want you to see just a few things. Persecution is real. It is happening right now in the church, but it's happening in twofold. It's happening physically against bodies and other nations, and we need to be more, way more aware of that. If you get that point today and be praying for them, God's put us here in freedom to pray. We need to be praying, but also do not be unaware that persecution is in this nation. It's subtle. It's below the radar. And I can prove it to you. Who's afraid to witness to somebody? If you walk out of here and go witness to somebody on the corner, anybody have a little bit of fear about doing that? Why? Satan's just as equally persecuting you, maybe not in your body, but in your mind, trying to He's opposing you and, make, and everything. The only reason I'm embarrassed is because I know that they don't care about God and it's so odd to them. It's put such a blinder that it's like, I want to share with them, but they are so opposed to me. You need to do it anyway. <laughs> you need to do it anyway because you don't, re you don't know what's going on in their heart. It might be that moment. You might be a seed. You might be the water or you might be the harvester. That was a side note. But we are being persecuted. And then, and then there's the obvious that is not physical, but Jesus is just getting removed from everything. And it's been step by step. And now it's not as much about 
what part of Jesus and his word is being removed as much as their doctrine is being thrust upon us. That's the persecution. The doctrine of devils is being thrust upon us in this nation. And it's subtle. It's been coming in little by little by little. I mean, I look from when I was a kid to now the kids today in school and just what's normal. What's their reading material? What they're watching? And we need to be aware of this. We need to get out of our bubble <laughs> and be aware. Be, we need to be so much more aware that the enemy is out. And it says, when Herod saw, verse 3, how much this pleased the Jewish people. And remember, again, this, we don't war against flesh and blood. This had nothing to do with Herod or the Jews. This was just Satan using people to oppose God's kingdom. Just as God uses us to build his kingdom. It said he also arrested Peter. I believe that there are many today that have been arrested. Arrested. And we may not see it in this nation as much, but they've been arrested. They've, the enemy's got them captive. It's just part of, part of the time that we live in. And he's got them captive in their mind, in their body, in their spirit, or, or it's some sort of real captivity, real prison. Other nations and some here as well. And it said, verse 4, Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. And he puts them down so deep and so dark, they're never getting out on their own. Did you know that you are not going to break out of prison with four squads of four soldiers each on your own? Unless God is going to intervene supernaturally, it is not going to happen. Doesn't matter how strong you are, he man's not breaking out of this. <laughs> you are stuck. I believe there are many, many, many. And it's just part of being a believer. That part is normal. We need to be so aware of that. That is normal. James doesn't say that he sinned. In fact, I love his book. And his book is incredible. And really sharp. It's only five chapters long. But he was killed. We need to be aware that that's just part of God's kingdom He's not really dead, is he? Only his body died. But those that were here, Peter still had a message, and it wasn't his time. Do we understand that? I don't, and I'm okay with that because I'm not God. But Peter still had a message, and it was trapped inside of a prison. God's got a message in you. He's got a message in his people, and it's trapped inside of a message, and there's only one way out. It's not your time yet. If it was your time, well, it says it right here. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with the sword. You'll know it's your time when the sword comes out. If you are still alive, there's still a message in you, and if it's not coming out of you, then it's been trapped inside of you. But it says, come on, man, getting to the fun part now. 
for this last bit of the service. It says, but while Peter was in prison, I want you to say that out loud. But while Peter was in prison, come on, say it again. But while Peter was in prison, while my fellow believers were in prison, you know what? I did see that issue, God. You're right. And I decided not to create a YouTube channel to bash them. Instead, I do see a major issue in this nation. Instead, I do see a major issue in my church, in the body of Christ. I see two things. I see one, those that are suffering for you and are not being prayed for. And I see those that are living in luxury and calling it God and it's not. But instead of bashing it, you have called me to pray and I'm going to pray. And it says that the church, come on, say this out loud, that the church... Prayed earnestly. God's calling us right now to pray earnestly. You see an issue in the church? You don't need a YouTube channel. He tells you what to do with it. You got an issue with the church? Then pray. He didn't say go out and preach it. They prayed earnestly for him. Peter was put in prison, and it wasn't his time. But Peter would not have been released. Isn't that incredible? I want to believe that God would have somehow did something else, but I just, I, I don't though, because if that was the case, why did Jesus even choose disciples? If God's just going to bypass us every step of the way, then why even have people at all? And wait a second, pastor, are you saying that if they didn't pray, Peter would die? Well, James died. Why is James any better than Peter? Is James better than Peter? The church saw it happen, and maybe that one, maybe James was supposed to be prayed out too. I don't know, but maybe that was their wake-up call. And then Peter gets arrested, and we, the whole thing is shaken up. And they, and they said, wait a second, wake-up call. Come on, we got some wake-up calls in this nation right now. Just right here in this nation, forget the rest of the world. Got some wake-up calls. Some things have died that shouldn't have died. Or maybe they were going to die, but that's the, the ringing bell God's using to call us to pray now. And it says they prayed earnestly for him. And guess what happens when people pray earnestly? Before we get to the end of the story, it says in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, James 5, verse 16, the earnest prayer, you guys know this, this verse, you may know it in your translation a little bit differently, but it says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. It says in verse 17 that Elijah was as human as you and I. Are you human in here? Because that seems to be the only stipulation in this verse, that he was human. So if you're human, check. As we are, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, Come on, we need to believe God and believe His Word and believe we need to stop being weak prayer warriors. 
I'm not saying to get off in your own prayers. Start. I mean, you get the will of God, you get the heart of God, but I know his will is to free his prisoners. He already told us that. So I'm not going to go pray my own thing, but I'm not going to, once I've got his will, we better be praying it. And I believe, I believe we, with so many churches across this nation last year, we saw an impending doom on this nation. It wasn't a person coming in. It wasn't a hierarchy. It was the kingdom of darkness behind it coming in. Doesn't mean that darkness won't try today. And that's why we got to keep praying. But we saw it coming and we felt compelled to pray and we did. And I saw God move his hand. I don't know what that means in the scheme of time from this moment on, but it's, that means that I just got to pray more. And it says that Elijah prayed that it would not rain for three and a half years, no rain fell. In verse 18, then he prayed again. Come on, I want you to say this out loud. Then, then, wait a second. Sometimes God calls you to pray again. Wait a second. God, I already prayed. I did my part. God, did you see that when I prayed, it didn't rain for three and a half years? It's pretty superhuman. I'm amazing. Wow. God says, wait a second. Don't you think it was just as easy for God to release the rain himself? Why? Does he do it this way? I don't know why he uses us, but I love that he does. And he told Elijah, pray again. And the sky, come on, I want you to read this out loud. And the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Why? Because he prayed again. Now let's go back to this story. You could, I could go into 10 different amazing stories about prayer in our word. It's, the, it's man, one of the threads through the whole entire Bible. But in Acts chapter 12, they prayed very earnestly for him. And in verse 6, Acts 12, 6, that night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was still asleep, just like he was with Jesus in the garden. And he's, man, this guy's always sleeping. <laughs> now, I think at this place, to be honest, I'm being funny, but Acts 12, I think Peter had just come to such a place of peace. I'm guarantee he prayed himself as well. And then was like, well, what can I do? I'm in chains and went to sleep. If I go to meet the Lord, that's not a bad thing. You know, sometimes, always, 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 always pray. But sometimes other people have to pray for you. That's a, wait, ready? Side note, here we go. Don't be prideful that you've been praying on your own. And you can say, well, I've been praying. Come on. Well, I just hit a nerve right there. I know it because we'd be like, well, I, I've been praying. Who said it like that? I've been praying. <laughs> well, I have prayed. We get like nervy about it. I've prayed. Sometimes it's just, it's not even gonna, it's not gonna happen until, because it's a body. Because it's a body. Come on, this is, because it's a unity. They were united in prayer. God 
decided to be united with mankind instead of being himself. He could have just been Jesus and never died. Or when he died, came back and said, okay, now I'm still Jesus. You thought you got me, still Jesus. But instead, decided to do that through us. So the unity, the united, the believers is such a key. We need to, we'd be like, well, this is what we do. We say, well, they made some bad choices in their life, and now they're dealing with that, with the actions. You know, that's, they're getting what they got. Oh, that's very Christ-like, by the way. <laughs> but they prayed, and that night, Peter's asleep, and he's still got the chains on him. They're still guarding him. Verse 7, suddenly. Come on, I want you to say that word out loud. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. You guys being touched by God right now, just hearing these words, isn't this incredible? It said the angel struck him on the side to wake him and said, quick, get up, and something amazing happened, something supernatural, something where God bypassed the natural. It says... Verse 5, the church prayed very earnestly for him. And in verse 7, the chains fell off. The church prayed and the chains fell off. It's time to pray. We have to pray. We got to pray, 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 pray. We need to be much more united, right? And saying these verses, we need to be bringing each, our gifts, bringing the cells together, tightening, right? We're watching out for the loan, right, around us. We already mentioned this many times in the last weeks because the wolf's going to go after the ones on the outskirts, and we don't, even if they've made choices, we need to, those that are in, need to go out and get them and bring them in, and those that are out there by choice, you need to be coming in. It's time. We have to. You will not make it without being together with the believers. I don't care how strong your personal prayer life is. If he wanted it to be just you, then Jesus wouldn't have called disciples. If he wanted it to be just you, there would be no upper room. There'd be no multiplication of the church. It is a body. It is a connection from many people together, shaping each other and rubbing against each other and not liking each other, but then learning to deal with that and actually changing you from the inside out and then saying, wait a second, all that was a waste of time anyway, but thank you for dealing with my heart. Now let's do what we should have been doing all along. Let's pray together. Amen. How that first sermon. Let's stand. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you, God, that you're freeing us. You're freeing us. You're freeing us. You're freeing us. Lord, you're freeing us even from the way we think, Lord. I thank you, God, you're freeing us from the, the thought process of going to church. Lord, we are the church. And Lord, just keep bringing that revelation. Lord, I can say it. I can preach it. And even I don't fully understand it yet, Lord. You need to bring that revelation, Lord, of us being your church and and Lord, like the verse says, preferring one another. And Lord, being united together and being constantly in prayer. 
Lord, for one another and for the world outside. We thank you, God, that that is the true church. That is the true body of Christ and every other misconception, every other picture that's been painted on our hearts and our minds by, Lord, deceptive heresies, by words, by false things, Lord, that have come. Every other picture of the church in our minds, Lord, crush it and squash it and give us revelation, Lord, of what it truly means to be a believer walking hand in hand with you and united together, Lord, in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.